Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. All right, how's everybody doing this morning? Yes, yes, I love the energy. That was awesome, that was awesome. We are so glad that you're here. We're glad you're watching online. And as we get started, I want you to think about something real quick. I want you to think about how your life would be so much better if just by believing in something, you would get the benefits of that. Think about how your life would change if just by believing in stuff, okay? Believing in something, that you would get the benefits from that thing. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. That we all believe in the science behind health and nutrition, right? We all believe in the science behind health and nutrition, that if we eat right, if we exercise, that we're going to look better, we're going to feel better. We all believe that. What if just by believing that, we would get the benefits from it? Even though we're still eating our Cheetos and having our Bluebell before we go to bed, right? We still look good and feel good because we believe in the science behind health and nutrition. It would change our lives, right? It would change everything. I mean, it would change in other areas of life. Think about this. Think about uh, your finances. We all believe in the principles behind finance, don't we? We all believe that you just don't spend more than you make. I mean, you just don't do that kind of thing. We believe in the 80-10-10. We believe that you, you, you tithe your 10%, you save 10%, and you live off 80. Well, we believe in these principles. What if just by believing it, our bank account would show that? It'd be great. It would change everything, wouldn't it? And students, you're back at school now. You're back in school. You believe in hard work and studying, that's how you get ahead. What if just by believing that, your grades would reflect that? I mean, it'd change your life, wouldn't it? I mean, it'd change everything. Now, here's the thing. We all know things that we could do to change our life. We all know things that we could do. It's not that we don't have the information. We have things that could change our life. We just choose not to do it. Well, it's the same with your spiritual life. We all know things we need to be doing. I don't care if you've been a Christ follower for 20 years or 20 minutes. You know things that you could be doing. You know you're supposed to love one another. You're, not supposed, you're supposed to forgive one another. You're supposed to serve one another. You're supposed to be generous. You're supposed to be inviting with people. You're supposed to, to, to care about people. We know the difference between right and wrong, and we're supposed to do the right thing. We know there's things that we should be doing. We just don't always do it, do we? James, the brother of Jesus, he says this in, in James 2.20. He says, faith without works is dead. He said, faith without works is useless. And what he's saying is basically, if you believe in something and then don't live out what you believe, it doesn't do you any good. It not only doesn't do you any good, it doesn't do any good for anybody else around you. That's why when you read the Gospels, that's why when you, you look at the life of Jesus, you don't see him spending a lot of time just saying, hey, just believe in what I say. But you do see him over and over and over saying, do what I do. Because Jesus understood that it's in the doing that lives are changed. We've been in a series called Fishing 101. And this whole series has been about getting back to the basics of Christianity, getting back to the basics of doing what Jesus has called us to do. 
And the reason why we call it Fishing 101 is because when you look in Luke 5, when, when Jesus was calling his disciples to him, he told them, he said, come follow me, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of people. Jesus was saying, if you come follow me, I'm going to change your life. But not only am I going to change your life, that I'm going to help you change somebody else's life. Because that's why Jesus was here. Luke 19, 10, he said, I'm here to seek and save the lost. I'm here to see lives being changed. And he's saying, that's what we should be all about. That's living out what we believe. The last thing Jesus said to us after his resurrection, before his ascension into heaven, Matthew 28, 19, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. He's saying, if I've changed your life, now I need you to go and change somebody else's. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online this morning, you're a Christ follower. I want you to think about your faith story. I want you to think about your faith journey. I want you to think about the events that took place in your life that got you to that point where you gave your heart to Jesus Christ. And as you think about your faith story, as you start going through those different events, I bet you there's somebody who's coming to your mind. Maybe it's a group of somebody. But there were people that were in your life along the way that are there for you, that had you get to that point where you say, I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe it was a, a brother or a sister. Maybe it was a friend, a coworker. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher or maybe a, a small group leader. Maybe it was just somebody who said, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you just come to me? I'm going to church and you can sit with me. Why don't you just come? And you, you took that invitation and you showed up and you heard the life-changing message of Jesus Christ and you gave your heart to Christ and your life was forever changed. Your eternity was forever changed because somebody in your life lived out what they believed and said it's all about seeking and saving lost people. And you're eternally grateful for those people. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're watching and you haven't given your heart to Christ, first of all, I'd like to say is we're excited you're here. We are so glad that you're here. We're so glad that, that you're watching and, and, uh, because that's what we do as a church. That's why we exist is to have you here. We hope you feel welcome and we hope you feel at home. But I want you to think about something. I want you to think about how you got here today how you're watching this. Maybe you're here today because you're sitting with somebody who invited you. Maybe you're watching because somebody shared this and it happened to come up on your feed. But this is my prayer for you today, is that by the end of the service, because of what you're hearing this morning, that you're going to give your heart to Christ. And that person who reached out to you, who got you here, who did something so you'd see this, they're going to be a part of your faith story that your life is forever going to be changed because somebody in your life said, I'm going to live out what I believe and I'm going to do what Christ has called me to do. And that's what we're going to talk about today. As we conclude this series, we're going to talk about what we need to do to live out what we believe. What we need to do to see other lives being changed. And it's a message that I'm going to call catch and release. 
Now, if, you, if you're a fisherman, you understand the term catch and release. Basically, this is when you catch a fish, instead of taking it home and having it for dinner, you just release it back into its environment, un, unchanged. It's just there to live out the rest of its life. Well, when it comes to the church world, catch and release is a little bit different, okay? Catching means that you're actually caught up into the family of God, that you have now reached that decision in your life where you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you are released back into your environment, but not unchanged, but changed because you're a new creation in Christ. And basically, to kind of go with the series, you basically have turned from the fish to the fisherman, that you're released back into your environment to now be the fisherman, to try to attract somebody just like somebody attracted you to bring you into the family of God. You are now the fisherman. You're released to do ministry. Now, I know that scares a lot of you. A lot of you get scared when you hear the word ministry. Wait a minute, I can't do ministry. Ministry, I, I have enough trouble just taking care of myself. I'm now gonna have to try to take care of somebody else. I'm gonna try to do something for somebody else. Ministry, I thought that was just for the people who were on staff. I mean, I thought that's what they do. The rest of us, we just come and we sit here and we enjoy the service and then we go home. No, you've released into ministry. And I know some of you are feeling unqualified, that you wouldn't know what to do, wouldn't know what to say. And if that's where you are this morning, you're in good company because that's where the disciples were. That all through their journey with Jesus, they were put in situations that they were uncomfortable. They were put in situations where they didn't think they were qualified to do what Jesus was asking them to do. And this is what Jesus said to them and he's saying to each one of you, he's saying, just follow me, do what I say, and I'll take care of the rest. Just follow me, do what I say, I'll take care of the rest. And so today I want to give you three things that you need to do if you're going to follow Jesus. Three things that you need to do to follow Jesus into ministry. And to see these three things, I'm going to tell you a story uh, that really is a story probably a lot of you have heard before. It's one of Jesus' uh, famous miracles that, that he performed. Um, it's not about fishing, but it does involve fish. It's written in all four of the Gospels. All the, all the gospel writers write about this story. They all write a little bit different, so I'll kind of touch on a few of those. But I think to make it easy, we're going to look at it through um, what Matthew said. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Matthew 14, and we're going to start in verse 13. And this is what he says. He says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And what Jesus heard was that John the Baptist was dead. That's what Jesus heard. And so he was drawing away. Remember, John the Baptist was the guy who came before Jesus. He was the forerunner to Jesus. He was the one who was preparing the way for Jesus. He was the one that was telling all the people, get ready, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And then one day, John is out walking and he sees Jesus. He says, there he is. That's the guy I've been telling you about. That's the Lamb of God, the one who's come to, to take away the sins of the world. And then John baptizes. He baptizes Jesus. And then he tells all of his followers, he says, it's not about me anymore, guys. It's about following him. He's the one you need to listen to. He's the one you need to follow. Do what he's doing. And that's when Jesus started his earthly ministry. Now, what you need to know about John, John was outspoken. John had no problem speaking his mind. A lot of times that got John in a little bit of trouble with people. And one of the people that he got in trouble with was a guy by the name of Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas was the governor of Israel at the time. He was the one who, who ruled over Israel at that, that particular time. Now, this isn't Herod the Great, the guy that was killing babies when Jesus was born. This is actually his son. But he is now in control over what's going on. And John had a problem with Herod. 
And Herod had a problem with John because of the fact that John was going around telling everybody that, that uh, he was a wicked ruler, that he was living right, life wrong. And the reason why he was saying that was Herod's Antipas ended up marrying his brother's wife. His brother Philip was married to a woman by the name of Herodias. And Herodias was kind of a little bit of a social climber. She liked to kind of be in control, like being in the family that was over everything. And uh, when Herod the Great died and Herod Antipas was put over everything, she's thinking, hmm, I kind of like him now. And so what happens, he sees her and he, and he goes, I kind of like you too. So she divorces his brother and she marries him. Well, this is against Jewish law. So, so John the Baptist is walking to the street saying they're living against God. They're living against God. They're living in sin. They're wrong. They're wrong. They're wrong. So not only did Herod Antipas not like John, Herodias hated John. She wanted him dead. She couldn't believe he was doing this. So she wanted her husband to kill him. Well, Herod was going, I can't kill this guy. People think he's a prophet. They think he's a prophet. And if if I kill him, there's going to be an uproar. I don't want to deal with that. So what I'll do, I'll arrest him. I'll arrest him. I'll put him in jail. He's off the streets. Hopefully this will all go away. But that wasn't enough for Herodias. So what we see is one night, uh, Herod Antipas has got his, his, his boys over with him. He's there. I think there was a football game on, or maybe they were having their fantasy draft or something like that. But they were all there. They were all, you know, having a good time. They were drinking. They end up drinking a little bit too much. And so Herodias thinks, this is my time. And so she sends in her teenage daughter. She sends in her teenage daughter. This is a daughter she had by his brother, Philip. And she goes in and she does this dance, Okay. Now, let me just tell you, this wasn't a PG dance. It wasn't a G dance. This was, this was some dance. I mean, it was such a dance that by the end of it, Herod Antipas says, you can have whatever you want. Wow, wow. You name it, it is yours. I'll give you whatever you want for doing that. Well, he's thinking she's going like, to want like, a new iPhone or maybe some cash for some clothes or something. That's what he's thinking. Well, she ends up running off instead of telling him, and she runs to her mother, and she says, I can have whatever I want, what do I want? And she says, you go back in there and you tell him you want John's head on a meat platter. Now that's in the Bible. See, that's why I tell you to read your Bible. There's good stuff in here, all right? It's better than any Lifetime movie. There's some good stuff in this thing. So she runs back to Herod and she says, I know what I want. I want John's head on a meat platter. And he's looking at her like, I can't believe you did this. But he's on the spot. He's already told her in front of everybody else that she can have whatever she wants. So he gets his executioner. He's this executioner. He goes down, and sure enough, he comes back with John the Baptist's head on a meat platter. Herodias got her way, and John was dead. Well, Jesus hears about this, and it affects him. And he's saying, I got to spend some time alone. I got to deal with this. I just got to deal with this, and so he wanted some time away. And the only time that he could get away was to go down to the Sea of Galilee and get on a boat, because everywhere Jesus went, people flocked around him. They just wanted to be around Jesus, be near him. They wanted to be a part of whatever he was doing. So he gets on a boat, and he's trying to find some solitude, but instead of finding solitude, the people follow him. And when he finally gets ashore on the other side, thousands of people are there waiting for him. Thousands of people are there waiting for him. And this is what it said happens. He says, hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. So he forgot about what he was going through. And he started preaching and teaching to these people. He spent all day. When we read this, he's all day with these people, spending time with them. 
all about seeing lives being changed. And I've heard people ask, why? Why, 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 didn't, why didn't Jesus do something about John the Baptist? I mean, why, why didn't he do anything? I mean, I remember Jesus said that John was the greatest man who ever lived. I mean, why wouldn't he do that? And I don't think we'll ever know this, this side of heaven. But I kind of find comfort sometimes in when God's not answering my prayers the way I want, the fact that if he didn't do something for the greatest man who ever lived, maybe I just have to realize that God's got a different plan than I do. And I just have to trust his plan. But I think what, what Jesus was doing with the people there, what was going on was saying that was what his plan was. He knew John was saved. He knew he was spending eternity with John. He was now all about saving lost people. And that's why with everything going on, he spent the whole day because he wanted to see life change. He wanted to see life change of what was going on, and that's what he did. And then it says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. He's saying, okay, enough is enough, Jesus. Send them home. Let's get them out of here. We're a long way away. Uber Eats does not deliver this far out. So send them back. Let them go and get what we've done. Besides, you told us we were going to be able to get some time away. And we spent all day with these people. Enough is enough. Let them go. And this is what Jesus said. He said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this because this is ministry 101. What Jesus was saying to them and what he was saying to you and I is this is ministry 101. See the need, meet the need. That's what he was saying. He was saying, when you see a need, you meet the need. That's what ministry is all about. When you see a problem, you be a part of the solution. That's what this whole church is about. This is why we do what we do. This is why we're, 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 we're building the Cindy Ramsey Help Out Center. It's because we saw a need and we need to meet that need. And not only did we, we meet that need, we know we had to build a building so that we could expand because the need keeps growing. That's why we have a relief team. That's why we have the different groups we have. We have recovery groups. We have grief groups. We see needs, we meet needs. Not only that, just our volunteers, they're seeing needs and meeting needs. That's why you're in here and somebody's taking care of your kids. Somebody helped you get into the building to be feel at home because these are needs. We want you all to feel welcome. It's all about ministry. That's what he's saying. That's what ministry is, seeing a need and meeting a need. Now, when you read about this, this story in one of the other gospels, in the gospel of John, John writes about what Jesus said a little bit different. What he said was, Jesus said this, to test them. See, it says that Jesus knew what he was going to do. Jesus already had this whole thing figured out. And that's one of the things we all need to realize is everything we go through, Jesus already has it figured out. But he said this to test them because he was trying to see if they would trust him. Have you ever thought about that in your own life? Have you ever thought about the fact that everything you go through, that all the things you're dealing with, that God is allowing that to happen in your life, to see if you'll trust him? To see if you'll trust him a little bit more? What does James say in James 1? Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. He's not saying, guys, 
stand up and jump up and down and be excited about the fact that you're facing something difficult. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is look at your circumstance differently. Start looking at everything you're going through through the eyes of what is God trying to do in me and through me? Because James goes on to say it's because the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith. Why do we take tests? Our kids take tests in school to see where they're at. They're seeing if they're ready for promotion. That's why we take tests. That's why that God is putting that out in your life, to see if you're ready for promotion. You're ready to go to the next level. And what's that next level? He ends up saying it's so that, that, that you are complete. You're lacking in nothing. And what he's talking about is you're coming to that place in your life where you have absolute trust. Absolute trust in Jesus Christ. Think about how your life would be so much different if every single day you woke up with absolute trust that God was in control and he was gonna keep his promises. Think of how that would change your life. Now, I know a lot of us say, yes, we know God is in control. Yes, we know God's going to keep his promises, but we're still fearful. We still worry. We're still full of anxiety. But what God is doing, he's using the various trials so that you would learn to trust him more. And that as you trust him and you put your, your problems in his hands, you see that, wow, my life is different. I'm going up to the next level because I don't wake up as worried anymore. I don't wake up scared anymore. That's what he's doing. He's saying, guys, I'm trying to teach you to trust me. I've got this. And that's what Jesus ends up doing. And the guys respond to him when Jesus asked him to do something about it. He says, well, Jesus, we're here with only five loaves of bread and two fish. What the disciples were saying was, yeah, God, I know you want me to do this, but we're not capable. We don't have what it takes to take care of all these people. I know you said that we're supposed to take care of everybody and, and make sure they're okay, but we don't have what it takes to do that. How many times have you felt that way in your own life? How many times have you been asked to, to step out and to do something in ministry and you didn't do it because you didn't felt you were qualified to do it? How many times did you just sit back and say, you know, somebody else is going to have to get it done because, because I'm not worthy of getting this done? And that's what the disciples were saying. And this is what Jesus' response to them, and it's, and it's his response to you. He said, bring it to me. He said, bring it to me. And that's the first point if you're going to go into ministry, that you're going to be a part of living out what you believe you got to give up what you have. you got to give up what you have to Jesus. 1 Peter 4.10, it says, each of you has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Do you realize that God has gifted you with something that can impact somebody else's life? God is giving you an ability, giving you a gift that can change somebody else's life. And he's saying, if you give that up to me, life change is going to happen. You're going to impact somebody. Something is going to be done because of the fact that you gave up what you had to me. And I know a lot of you are sitting here going, I don't have anything to offer. I don't have anything to offer. I don't have anything to do. Well, yes, you do. Because God said, and if you just offer yourselves to God, you're going to see how you're going to participate in ministry. Now, we call this story the feeding of the 5,000. Now, 
In reality, there was more like 15 to 20,000 people there because what happens is they only counted the men when they were talking about that. They didn't count the women and children. And if you read in the book of John with this part, when it gets to this, the reason why the disciples had five uh, loaves of bread and two fish was because a boy heard what was going on and he offered up it to him. He offered it to him. So when you don't think you're enough, you got to realize that the miracle happened because somebody they didn't count gave up what they had. You might not think you count, but when you give up what you have to Jesus, the miracle is going to happen. And that's what they did. Give up what you have. And then it says, as he directed the people to sit down, Jesus told everybody to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven, and he gave thanks and broke it. And then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. The miracle happened because they gave up what they had to him. And in Jesus' hands, this is when they had enough to reach the people. And that's the second point, is you got to give in. Once you give up, you got to give in. Remember, the disciples didn't want to help. The disciples wanted to get on a boat and get out of town. They wanted everybody to leave. They were done. They're going, we've already taken care of these people. All we need to, they can just leave. But they listened to what Jesus asked them to do. It kind of reminds me of when Bill started the series back um, a few weeks ago when he talked about Luke 5, when Jesus called the disciples. Remember when, when he called the disciples, what he said to Peter? He said, Peter, go out and let down your nets. Wade out into deeper water and let down your nets. And Peter looks at him and goes, Jesus, you're kidding me. I said, we've been fishing all night. We had not caught anything. This isn't worth it. I mean, we, we, you don't fish during the day, Jesus. It's not going to help, okay? It's not going to do anything. But then Peter says this. He says, nevertheless... Nevertheless, I'll do it because you say so. That's giving in. It's saying, God, I can't believe you're asking me to do this. I can't believe you're asking me a part of something like this. I can't believe you want me to, 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 to take care of kids. I can't believe you want me to, to lead teenagers. I can't believe you want me to lead a small group. I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. But nevertheless, if you say so, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. That's living out, not my will, but yours. That's living out Proverbs 3, 5. It's saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding because guess what? You can talk yourself out of a lot of things. And that's why you have to give in to what Jesus wanted. I look at my own life in ministry. I look at, I look at everything that I've been asked to do. I don't feel I was ever qualified for anything I was asked to do. When I was asked to do it, I never felt qualified. Right out of high school, I was asked to be a youth director. I hadn't been a Christ follower very long. And now I'm leading kids who knew Jesus longer than I did. And then my first full-time ministry job that I was given was to, to be the worship pastor at one of the largest churches in America. Everybody on staff, everybody that I was over, knew a lot more about what they were doing than I knew about what I was doing. And then I was asked to, to lead a, a worldwide uh, TV and, and radio ministry. It was on to job training. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what was going on. And then I got here to the Met. 
And I've been here a few years, and, and Bill asked me, he said, would you speak on a weekend? And I was like, I've been in full-time ministry for over 15 years, and I've never spoken on a platform before. But if you ask, okay, I'll just give up what I have, give in because you're asking me to do it, and I'm going to let God take care of the rest. That's how it works. That's how it works. You give up what you have. You give in to what God wants you to do, and he'll take care of the rest. He's got it. And what we see is the miracle happened. The miracle took place. It says that they all ate. They were all satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. It was such a miracle. Everybody was fed. They had leftovers. There was so much food left. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and children. Everybody was satisfied. Everybody was reached. And at that point, Jesus turned to the disciples and says, now we can go. And he put them on a boat and he said, go ahead and sail off to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. I'll catch up with you. And he told the people that they could leave then. And Jesus went up to be alone and to pray. But what we find out is when the disciples were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, a storm comes up. A storm comes up and they're scared to death. But then another miracle took place because who comes walking by but Jesus walking on the water. And Jesus looks at him and says, calm down, guys, calm down. It's all going to be okay. I'm here. Just relax. And Peter looks at Jesus and he says, if that's you, have me come to where you are. Now, when I hear that story and I read that, I always think to myself, who would say that? I mean, I'm thinking if I'm, I'm in this boat, at least I'm not in the water. I mean, yes, I'm being tossed and turned. It's all over the place, but I'm not in the water. And I would be going, Jesus, if that is you, hurry up and get here in this boat and calm this thing down. But to say, if that's you, let me get out and come to where you are. It kind of reminds me of what Bill would always say. He always says, stop asking God to bless what you're doing and start doing what God is blessing. Stop asking God to do what you're doing and start doing what God is blessing. And so what he does, he gets out of the boat and he walks towards Jesus. And that's the third point if you're going to do ministry. You got to get out. You got to get out of your normal routine. Because God is trying to take you to places and to touch people that you've never done before. And it's not going to happen if you just stay where you are. You got to get to start doing what Jesus is doing and what he is all about. That's when the change happens. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, walk by faith, not by sight. It doesn't make any sense to get out of a boat. I don't care how bad it is. Who can walk on water but Jesus? But when Jesus calls you, he provides a way. And that's why you can trust him. And what is walking by faith? Well, how do we have faith? Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Walking by faith says that every single day, I'm walking on the word of God. I don't know how it's going to happen, but this is what he says, so I'm going to do it. 
I don't know what difference it's going to make, but guess what? He said it, so I'm going to walk on it. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to do whatever he says. Give up, give in, and get out. And you're going to see that you're going to make a difference in somebody's life. Before we go, I just want to give you a little quick story. It kind of wraps this whole thing up. It's a, it's a story that a lot of people, when they read their Bibles, they just kind of pass over. It just kind of goes there, but it really fits what we're talking about this morning. It's found in, in, in John 1, and it's when Jesus was actually calling the disciples to him to follow him. He'd already called Peter and, and Andrew and James and John, and Jesus comes across this guy by the name of Philip, and he looks at Philip, and he says, come follow me, Philip. And Philip sees him, and he says, you're the Messiah. I'm all in. I'm following you. Yes. But hold on one second. And he takes off and he goes back to his friend, Nathaniel. And he says, Nathaniel, I've seen the Messiah. I've seen the Messiah. The Messiah is here. You got to come. Come on. You got to come with me. And Nathaniel looks at him going, you haven't seen the Messiah. What are you talking about? We've been waiting on the Messiah for hundreds of years. You haven't seen nothing. And he goes, and if it is the Messiah, who is it? Come on, tell me who it is. And he goes, it's Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And this is what Nathaniel says. He honestly says that. He goes, Nazareth? Does anything good come from Nazareth? Are you kidding me? The Savior comes from Nazareth? Really, come on. Now, most of us would go, okay, fine then. Live out your life. I'm going to follow Jesus. But Philip goes, no, I don't know anything about what he's from or what he's doing. I'm just telling you, I've seen him. He's changed my life. You just got to come. Come, just come see for yourself. Just come, just come on. And Nathaniel comes and he meets Jesus and his life has changed. And he becomes a follower, a disciple of Jesus. And don't you think every single day, Nathaniel is looking at Philip and going, Thank you for not giving up on me. I mean, I'm thinking about this, this story right here. He got to see Jesus take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed thousands of people. And I bet you when he's delivering the baskets of food to the people, he's looking at Philip and going, thank you for not giving up on me. That I get to be a part of this. That I get to be a part of all of this life change, this impact. Thank you. What you need to know is there's people out there that are dying for you to make sure you don't give up on them. And so I want to ask you before we go, who's your Nathaniel? Who is God placed in your life that he's saying, don't give up on them. Get them to me. Who is it? We all have people in our lives that we know don't know Jesus. Who is that? Make a promise today. I'm going to get him here. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to give up what I have to you, God, to make it way. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to give in because that's what you've asked me to do. And God, I'm going to get out of my normal way of living, and I'm going to do something to make an impact. Get him here. Because if you do that, you've got somebody who's going to be eternally grateful, going, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you 
for being a part of my faith story. Just remember that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for never giving up on us. That you saw the need and you met that need. You saw us lost in our sin and you met the need by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to come take all of our sin upon himself and take it all the way to that cross where he died for us, he was buried for us. And then he defeated the grave and he rose again for us. And because of what he did, we have a new life in him. That he secured our eternity of what he did. And God, that's why now we just wanna live out what we believe. You've changed us and we wanna help you and work with you to change others. And so God, we do surrender what we have we give in to what you want, and we're willing to go and do what we've never done before to reach people. And so, God, give us those opportunities. Open up doors so that we can talk to our Nathaniels, and we can get them here to hear the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And for those of you that are here or watching online that you don't have a faith story. You now know why you're here and why you're watching. It was part of God's plan all along because he wanted you to know how much he loves you and what he would do to be able to show you that. And he's saying, open up your heart to me right now. If you're here, just open up your heart and say, God, I now realize, man, what you would do for me, that you would send your son to die for me, and that through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, I can have life in him. And so I turn from my old life, I turn from my sin, and I turn to you, and I give you my heart. If you've said that, you believe that, you're eternally changed. And God is saying, live out what you believe and now go bring somebody else to me. And God, that's what we wanna do. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.